Welcome to Input GR, a podcast by Dunamis Media. Hey folks, Bruce with Dunamis Media, and welcome to Input GR, where we ask for your input so we can have a better outcome. And today I'm with Scott Heiberger from Indiana. I'm on the phone. He's in Chesterton, Indiana, and Scott has an incredible story to share, and uh, his book is Behind the Wire. And, but before we get to our guest, uh, I would like to mention uh, Grand Rapids Organization of the Day, and that is Mel Trotter Ministries. Mel Trotter is ce- celebrating their 120th year this year, and uh, they do a lot for the homeless. They feed the homeless, they uh, house the homeless, but they also get them job ready. They help them with their, um, also with housing, and they also help them anyone with drug addictions. If you would like to donate to Mel Trotter, uh, visit their website at meltrotter.org. That's M-E-L-T-R-O-T-T-E-R.org. And uh, they, your money will go a long way, I guarantee it. And then at the end of this podcast, as tradition, I always ask my guest a Michigan trivia question. Even though he's in Indiana, I'm going to ask him a Michigan trivia question. So, Scott, welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Great to be, great to be here, Bruce. Great, Scott. So... Scott, in a nutshell, tell us your story. Uh, well, I started out uh, pretty crazy when I was young, uh, getting into all kinds of things around the neighborhood. Uh, um, I began to uh, commit crimes when I was probably about eight, nine years old, and I uh, got my first arrest when I was 12 years old, and uh, I actually stole my parents' car and uh, blew the engine on it. I, n- I never drove a car before, and it was a stick, so I got a little bit down the road and, and blew the engine on the car, and I ended up going and spending a couple of days in juvenile detention. And that kind of opened up the door to uh, um, the you know the me getting in me getting into uh, the system. And then I actually uh, started drinking and using drugs that same year. So coincidentally, at at age 12, drinking and drugs and crimes began to happen. Uh, I don't know if that's a coincidence or not, but, uh, you know, I started that path. I started young. I was very, very violent, very angry kid. Um, I was in fights all the time at school. And once that door opened to alcohol and, and to drugs and to crime, I just got into the system. I got into that, that cycle. Uh, I talk a lot about uh, in my book, What You Repeat Grows Stronger. And uh, that's kind of what began to happen through my life. I began to repeat, and these things became um, these crimes, and just that way of life, and the drugs and the alcohol began to get stronger and stronger in my life. And uh, I was on a first name basis with the local juvenile detention centers. Then I graduated hmm. from juvenile detention centers uh, to juvenile prisons, and they those uh, happened to be the most uh, dangerous places that I ever uh, did any time in. Even looking back years later. As an adult, uh, it was just a very, very dangerous place to uh, spend your time. And uh, by the time I was 17, I got a wave to adult court, and I began the adult system at 17. So at 17, I was did my first uh, sentence in uh, the adult county jail. Very shortly after that, I landed in prison for the first time, and I uh, did a couple of years, and then I got out, and very shortly... Uh, I was already committing more crimes, and I landed back in prison again for the second time uh, for uh, selling drugs, and I ended up getting sentenced to 16 years in prison. Mm. And uh, while I was in there, I was really, 
really trying to change my life. I ended up getting into their college program. I ended up getting an associate's degree when I was in prison. And uh, at this point in time, I didn't know anything about God, uh, anything about, uh, you know, I wasn't raised up in a Christian house, household. Um, so, you know, I was trying to do all the things that I, I could do, you know, get some education, try to change my life, try to do something different. But as soon as I got out of prison for the second time, within six months, I was right back into all the the things that I was before. And uh, then it just it, it began to just snowball. I got worse and worse. And um, and then while I was out uh, out of my second prison sentence, I ended up um, getting involved in um, cocaine a little bit deeper than the cocaine um, developed into crack. And that's what really got a hold of my life and really began to drag my life um, it, to a level that was so low uh, uh, that was way worse than the other drugs or the alcohol that I was that I was drinking. And, and through that, in between that time, I ended up meeting a girl. We, we got into a relationship. She got pregnant. And um, and uh, I, I just got deeper and deeper into drugs. And then I ended up um, going to a movie theater with her to go see a horror film. And uh, in the in the horror film, it was the 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 movie was called the uh, the Exorcism of Emily Rose. And I'm sitting in this horror film, and I'm literally at the bottom of my life. I'm with this girl. I can't even afford to do anything. Uh, I'm actually living in a halfway house at that time, mm -hmm. and she's pregnant, and I'm at this movie, and about halfway into the movie, I began to experience the presence of God, mm. and I was 20, I was 28 years old at this time, and I had had a couple of dozen arrests mm. under my belt at this time. I had two prison sentences under mm. my belt at this time, and I'm, I'm experiencing the presence of God, and I didn't know anything about God, but I knew it was God. It was mm -hmm. just such a powerful, powerful moment where when I, I ended up going outside of the movie theater, and I just bawled my eyes out in the parking lot, and my, my girlfriend didn't know what was going on. I mean, mm -hmm. I didn't know what was going mm -hmm. on. I didn't even know how to explain to her mm -hmm. what was going on because it was so – it just rattled me so much. And I went back to her apartment and got out the yellow pages and started looking for a uh, churches the call because I just didn't know what to do with what just had happened. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't end up getting a hold of anybody, but the very next day I got picked up on a felony warrant that I didn't know that I had. Mm -hmm. So here I am, like God had got my attention in a major, major way the day before. And then when I go into that jail uh, for this time, it was so different than all the other times before because I did something I had never done. I actually asked for a Bible. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I thought that that was a joke. I laughed at everybody that, you know, that would read their Bibles and go to church and all that kind of thing in prison. I just thought it was weakness. And, um, you know, so I began to study the Bible. And for about two weeks, I, that's all I did for like eight hours a day. I'd just be reading the Bible, just trying to get answers, trying to figure out what had happened. And then I got invited. Then I got invited to a church service about two weeks into that sentence that it was a jail church service that a church was coming in and here I am in this church service and there's like 50 guys in there and I'm hearing the gospel man for the first time. Wow. And, uh, and, and I, I just could hear God speak into my heart, you know, and I, I got tears in my eyes and I'm like the most, I was just such a crazy violent kid, man. I mean, I was an adult at this time, but I mean, I was just such a prideful rebellious person 
And just to be broken like that, you know, and to and to have those tears and to just hear the voice of God, like I, and there was an altar call. I got up, man, and I I re, I walked forward, and I and I you know, and with tears in my eyes before all these other men in a jail setting, which was completely supernatural, mm -hmm. because in my own strength I would have never done that, you right. know. And I I went forward. And I profess Christ, you know, and, and, and I was never the same. I mean, I was never the same. I like I, there was such a tangible freedom that happened in my heart, you know. And, you know, back when I was a child, uh, I was described, I was, uh, a, a cat died, you know, it was like a family cat. Of, mm -hmm. It was, it was like a function I was at with, with our family and a, and a cat had died. And somebody, and I didn't know what death was. And I was like five, six years old. And someone explained to me what death was, and and I didn't know this all my life, but that at that moment, like this fear of death came into my life, mm -hmm. like somehow the devil, it like brought that fear, that spirit of fear into my life. So like, Scott, and I was, I'm yes. so, sorry. I wonder if I can interject a minute because you're talking about the fear yes. of death, because right. I'm kind of curious. You were at the movie theater, and you watched right. this movie, and a lot of people mm -hmm. would go, "What? That doesn't make sense." You watched a movie like that, a horror movie, right? And right. did that cause fear in you? Yeah, it did. You know, and it's just, it, it, it was, I was like drawn to it. I don't know. It was weird. It was so, I, my life was so ironic because I was terrified of death, but I was living on the edge of death. It was a weird, it's just a weird, ironic thing, you know, and this terror was upon me all my life. And, and I said all that to say, like, when I, when I, when, when I profess Christ in front of those people, that spirit of fear came off me, man. Hmm. And like, I turned to these guys and I was like, I was like, if I die, I know where I'm going. And this was like a huge, like weight that had been hmm. on my life, all my life that had, that had just come off, you right. know? So it was like something just so powerful had happened. I mean, you just, you, you really don't know how heavy something is on you until the, until it's off, you know, sure. until there's the contrast of that it's off. So it's just, right. yeah. So that came off, and so here I am. I'm standing there, like experiencing this freedom, like I've never known, and this hunger for God's word came into my life too. And then I got so when I came into that time, that was two weeks into that sentence, and then I ended up going to uh, prison for the third time. I went off to prison that time, mm -hmm. and uh, for the for the third time, that was going into my third prison sentence, and I I did another couple of years and I, I studied God's word every day and I just got into bald into Bible studies and really learning the Bible, studying the Bible, teaching the Bible to anybody that would listen to me. And 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 through that prison sentence, my my wife, well, she wasn't my wife, she was my girlfriend, she ended up uh, having my son. So I ended up meeting my son for the first time in the prison uh, visiting room. And then uh you know, I'm thinking, all right, I'm a Christian now. God has dra drastically changed me. Like, we're gonna, I'm gonna get out of here. We're, I'm gonna be a father. I'm gonna get married. My life is gonna be totally different. And uh, what happened is, I ended up getting out, and she left me immediately. Like, she was done. Like, she had lost what whatever she had for me over that time that I was gone. Uh, she was there while I was in there, but as soon as I got out, it was over. And then she didn't even want my son to be around me either. So then I just, you know, I tried, I got a job. I, I ended up, you know, trying to, you know, I got an apartment. I ended up trying to do whatever I could do.
But within a few months, uh, here I was, like I just fell right back into it. I was drinking again. And I ended up getting arrested. Right. Lost my license, my car, my apartment, all at this time. Like I thought everything was going to come together and everything literally crumbled in front of me. Mm. And here I am at this moment where I just lost my job. I lost my girl. I lost my the, the ability to see my son. lost my driver's license. I just got arrested again. I violated my parole. And I just... I was like, I'm done, man. And I ended up trying to kill myself. So I put 40 stitches in my arm. Wow. I was ended up, I was bleeding out. And uh, the, the ambulance ended up getting called and they ended up bringing me to uh, the hospital and they locked me up in this place for a while. Mm-hmm. I ended up getting out of there. And, uh, you know, and Scott, then within a few, yes. Rick, could I talk about that a minute? Um, because yes. you, you talked about you're, you're trying to kill yourself. And, and yes. I want you to elaborate on that a little bit because at that point, Obviously, you lost all hope, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. isn't that why people commit suicide? They, there's no anchor there anymore, right? Right. You're right. And e- and even after that that powerful moment, you know, it was again what I I said earlier about with my in my book. It's just some revelation that God has given me is what you repeat grows stronger. And I had this really po- these really powerful strongholds in my life that you know of the world's culture and just in my mind and there was just so much wrong in my mind and so much i had let in into my life over the years like and that but then i had this seed in me of the you know from god you know that that was in there but it was like you know we say the stronger culture wins so it was like right. you know you, you go back into default mode and like i went right back in you know to this default mode because i was brand new to this thing in my relationship with Christ and I just in in my mind, you know, and obviously the enemy whispering in my ear, like it's game over. You know what I mean? You tried, you gave it a shot. You, you, uh, you profess Christ. You, you went to church. You tried to do the right thing. You tried to get married. You tried to have to be there for your child. And now that's over, you know, so mm-hmm. you've tried everything. Now it's, it's game over. And that was kind of like the, the whisper or the thought that was in my mind. Sure. And it just overtook me. Sure. And, uh, and I tried to tap out. And where did you feel God was? I mean, did you feel like God abandoned you? What did you feel like then? I just didn't know enough then. I, I, I didn't experience God. I didn't know him enough at that point. I just, I, all of those things were crashing down because, like I said, all those, I was going back with what I know. You know, there's that old saying, you always go with what you know. Yeah. You know, and it's like that was so deeply rooted in me to just, just to give up and quit because, my lifestyle, what I had repeated and grown, grown so strong in my life was, is that um, when the going gets tough, I get going. Okay. You know, I, I, you know, I, you know, I, I, I take a detour. You know, when the pressure comes on, you know, I, 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 I fall right back into the old things that I used to do, and sure. you know, because those things, even though they're destructive and they're terrorizing my life, at least they're familiar to me. Mm. You know, at least I know what those sure. things are. Sure. And so there, there I was. Yep. You know, Scott, I'd like to um, talk a little bit about, you know, you're obviously giving us your story, which by the way, folks, um, read behind the wire. I'll leave a link for this uh, in our video portion, Um, but excellent read, Scott. Um, I really appreciate your, appreciate your transparency in that book as well. Um, But man, oh man, what a story. Um, I guess I would like to talk a few, uh, a little bit of your, um, salient points if i could in your book um in your chapter leapt out was uh, character counts um and right. one of the statements you said was talent gets only gets you part way character gets mm-hmm. him a home run 
Could you elaborate on that and maybe explain to our listeners the importance of that statement? Right. You know, um, you know, another way that you could say that is that, you know, uh, charisma will get you there, but character keeps you there. Okay. And, uh, you know, and for me and for the lifestyle I was living in, a lot of people that are like me that I know that I could, they could relate with me. Uh, they, they could talk their way into a lot of different places and a lot of different things. And they could get a lot of other things in their life, but they couldn't stick and stay to be able they didn't have a character to be able to do that. Okay. It's it's, it's basically like, you know, I'm, I'm over here on level one, my maturity level in the, you know, the character that I have is a level one and I'm over here talking my way into level three Sure. and I can't handle level three. Okay. So level three is going to really knock me straight to the ground. Okay. And, and that's, and basically that's the way that I was living my, my life. It was manipulation and it was always trying to get myself into a place that I, that I couldn't handle by being there mm-hmm. because I could, I could bring the look, I could bring the talk, but I didn't have the heart and the character to be able to sustain the place that I had talked myself into. And, you know, and that's where God, you know, he began to come into my life. And when I allowed him, I began to go through that process from level to level to level because the, 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 the lifestyle that, that people like me would live is that it's the fast and easy lifestyle. You know, I don't want to, if I can't have it right now, I don't want it. And it, you know, with sure. the whole microwave, the whole microwave mentality, right. and like a lot of this, the kingdom is a roast. You got to put it in that <laughs> oven, and you got to bake that right. thing. It's you know? not, it's not a microwave it, sanctification, right? It's just you got. Oh, no, it's, 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 it's got to let us slow bake. Yep, you got to have a slow, the slow bake, and you know, in in my mindset, in that, in the same mindset as the people that I work with the most, is that mindset. It's like I, if I can't have it now, I don't want it. I'm going to try to talk my way into getting somewhere into these places, but I can't handle being there. They're right. trying to skip the process and we can't, you know? Right. That's, that's a good So point. that's why it, yeah, character is so, you know, it's so powerful uh, for the levels to come. That's we awesome. really want to get somewhere. That's great. Yeah. In chapter seven, um, you let's, let's switch to addictions. Um, you talked about addictions and they're familiar and comfortable and you use the example of Israel wanting to go back, go back to slavery because it was familiar. How do we overcome the familiar? Um, it's it's really uh, faith comes by hearing the word of God, and as we as we hear the word of God, and as we obey the word of God, there's a revelation that comes through. It's the revealed word of God. As we mm-hmm. obey, more more shall be revealed. You know, sure. and so it's that relationship with God and begin to bring our faith to God. It's more about hearing it, application. We begin to trust God more, and then we can start, once we see the the consistency of God, then we begin to trust Him more to take those steps into the, into the unknown okay. uh, and, and to trust that He is who He says He is. Sure. But it's not going to happen until we begin to hear the Word of God, the faith begins to rise as we apply the Word of God, the revelation begins to open up more into our lives mm-hmm. where we can see the things that we've never been able to see. And we begin to trust that process of that, you know, if we really want to live the life that the Bible says about living from glory to glory, that's from living from level to level. And that lifestyle is walking in the unknown because every level is somewhere you ain't never been. But if you know God and you begin to trust God, then you begin to trust that he's taking you somewhere and that he's trustworthy and that he's not going to fail you. Sure. And, and not, and not being willing to to turn back to those old ways because we know that there's nothing 
factor that it's, so, that it's death and it's slavery. So when you had the addictions, because um, mm-hmm. you hear some people who, you know, they, 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 okay, I'm, I've been saved almost 40 years and I had my, uh, I was a partier, you know, and I remember the very final moment when I finally said, God, I can't do this anymore. And I gave my yeah. life to Christ and my life was, you know, immediately transformed, but that's not always the way it is with some people, is it? Now you, no. you had, it was a little bit more elongated for you, wasn't it? It t- took a little while, didn't it? Yeah, it took quite a while, actually. It took, okay. uh, it took about seven years for me to, you know, from the, from that moment when I professed Christ, it took about seven more years of really battling. Um, you know, yes, I was born again. That was a free gift, but there was this mind that I had to contend with and those strongholds that I had built up in my mind, though, you know, that sanctification process, you know, of clean, cleaning out all that, all mm-hmm. that stuff that was in there. That was, that was a real battle for me. That sure. first suicide attempt, a second one came, uh, only a few months after that one. Got it. And, uh, I could talk a little bit about that if you want. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Um, so a couple of months later, uh, my girlfriend, uh, my ex-girlfriend that had my son felt sorry for me and she ended up letting me uh, have my son for the night to stay the night with me and I ended up getting drunk and putting him in the car with me and driving to a crack house in a ghetto in the night and uh, I locked him in the car and uh, went into the crack house and got some crack smoking it came back out to the car my son I had got out of his car seat up into my front seat and my and he's bawling his eyes out you know with his hands on the windows just crying bloody murder because I left my son alone at night in the dark in a car I'd locked him in there so he was terrified and uh, you know I ended up getting in the car I couldn't put him in my his seat because he was too scared I'm driving down the street drunk smoking crack with one hand holding my son with another driving down the street I mean that's how that was the depravity of my life at that point right you know like I was that there was and I was saved you know I was born again you know and people can argue that all day long but some God had changed me man he had changed my heart my my man there was a new i was a new create creation in christ but my mind was still a mess and there was still a lot of work that i needed to partner with god in to get my mind lined up what happened to me in my spirit and so uh, i ended up making it home my god did not allow that to 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 not uh be noticed she found out the next morning all that had happened through a whole chain of events it was just like supernatural how none of it became a secret it was all exposed she took my son and she says you'll never see him again ever mm-hmm. and then within 24 hours i, I go and get a, a couple hundred uh sleeping pills uh i take so take all these pills i take uh i drink a case of beer and i'm like i'm done you know i mm-hmm. thought I, I thought it was done wow and like five six hours later five six hours later i wake up and I was completely shocked. I mean, I woke up with no hangover, no drowsiness, no nothing. Like I hadn't had a drink or a pill or anything. I woke mm-hmm. up like five hours later and I could literally hear the God saying, it's not over till I say it's over, mm-hmm. you know? And it just really like shook me, it rattled sure. me. I had, I had these charges, these other felony charges that were pending. I just tried to kill myself again. It didn't work. My girlfriend says, I'll never see my son again. And I just ran to Florida. I got out of there. I mm-hmm. went down to Florida 
and uh, my dad my dad was living down there at the time. He said he he would let me stay there if I don't drink or use drugs within 24 hours. I was drunk. He kicked me out on the street, and that was the first time in my life that I had literally been homeless for real. Like I had been living like from house to house, from person to person, pretty much all my adult life. As I would get out of jail, I never really you know, uh, did anything long enough to really create anything in my life. So mm -hmm. I'd just jump from place to place to place, but I always had somewhere to go because I always knew people, you know, but now I'm in a state that I didn't know anybody a thousand miles away from anybody that I know. Mm -hmm. And now I began this homeless existence of living on the street, panhandling for change outside of stores for the next drink, the next drug. Um, I'm living like an animal, mm -hmm. you know, not wow. showering for days, for weeks at a time, eating out of dumpsters. I've slept in dumpsters, slept on the side of buildings, slept on the beach, slept in the woods. I remember a night that I was sitting in the middle of a, uh, the woods uh, and it was pouring rain and I was just sitting on the ground with my knees held up against my chest, just holding my arms around me, just crying in the rain mm -hmm. in the middle of the night. Just wow. like, how, how did I get here? Sure. You know, like, how did I get to this place? You know, living like this. Mm. And uh, it was, then I ended up hitchhiking 2000. This was, this went on for about a year. Uh, hitchhiked 2000 miles away to Arizona. That, that took a couple of months to get across the country, 2000 miles, sleeping outside, living out on the street the whole way, then living out as a homeless person in Arizona for about, about a year. And I finally got sick of it and asked for a family member to to get me back to Indiana. So they gave me a train ticket. I ended up coming back. I was going to turn myself into the charges that I ran for. But when I was in Florida, I got arrested a couple of times too. I ended up running from there. When I ran from Florida, I was running from felonies that I that I uh, did while I was there. So I go to Arizona. I go back to Indiana to go turn myself in for the felonies that I originally left four and I ended up getting arrested before that and got a couple more felonies. I got like five more felonies on my record. I mean, I'm just like going down, oh, down, wow. down, deeper, deeper, deeper. Mm -hmm. So I ended up going off to jail for months for these new felonies. They send me to the other county with the old felonies. I ended up going off to prison for a couple more years over that. And, uh, I ended up, you know, picking up my Bible, going after it again. I get back out. I was right back in within a month and went back to prison again. Mm -hmm. and, and then that time, man, like I just like, you know, I read that, that, you know, the Bible verse, Jeremiah 29, 13. Yeah. If you seek me with your whole heart, mm -hmm. that you'll find me and man. And that God, God just like just radically changed me in a way that I had never been changed. Like when he when I was saved, I was saved, but something radical happened that fifth time around in the prison and, and uh, the scales literally came off my eyes one wow. night. I can remember it like I can remember it just like I'm talking to you right now. Like they came off, man. Like I literally could see like I could never see before wow. that I was free like I was never free before. Wow. Like I knew Jesus like I had never known him before. And I knew that my life was radically different. Like I was never, ever going to be the same. Like whatever happened that day changed me forever. And what's and, incredible, uh, what's incredible, Scott, if I can just interject here a minute, I'm, yes. I'm hearing your story and so many of us can relate to this, that the fact that really by all accounts, you should be dead, right? Absolutely. You should be dead. Absolutely. Um, but the fact that God still in his mercy, he said, I have a plan for you. You talk about Jeremiah 13, then you go, or Jeremiah 25, I think 25, 11, right? Where it says 2911, 20, it 20, says, I know yes. plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. He had plans for you, right? 
Yes. Incredible. Yeah, he did all, all the way along. And uh, I was, you know, I, I got a taste of that when uh, I got rattled. And, you know, I look back at that movie theater and I was like, I didn't know nothing about God, you know, and at that point in time. And I look back at it now as like God was tapping on my shoulder. And yeah. that literally, that tap on my shoulder literally changed the course of my life. Mm. And there was just this huge shift mm. that began at that moment, you know, yeah. that I had no idea what was happening. But that from that moment... Uh, you know, when I said yes to Jesus two weeks later in that jail, there was about seven years of just battling through the couple of decades of all the mess that I created mm. uh, in myself and around me. Mm. Um, and then, you know, within a week of me getting out of prison that fifth time, I got invited. Uh, I ended up going to Road to Life Church in northwest Indiana here. And I walked into that place and I was like, I just, I had tears in my eyes as soon as I walked in. And I just knew that this is where God had told me that I needed to go. Mm. And, um, you know, and then I began to, I, I found the lead, our lead pastor of that church of Road to Life, Pastor Dave Gargano, ended up coming to him after service. And I just asked him, I said, hey, I just want to be involved with what you're doing. I just, I don't care what it is. I, I just want to volunteer if that's possible, if you guys, you know, and I, and he took me in to fill out an application, and that next week I was loading equipment out. Oh, that's fantastic! I was a I was part of the load in and load out mm -hmm. team of bringing in the equipment, and then mm -hmm. then I began to just uh, serve anywhere and everywhere. Wow, that's you know, cool. and uh, you know, people were telling me that I should go to ninety meetings in ninety days, but I went to two hundred meetings in one hundred eighty days. Like I was hungry, you know, I was after it. I was I wanted to change. I was doing everything and everything that I needed to do. I'd be at every church event, every church activity. I would be volunteering all day on Sundays, and then through the week, I'd be at meetings and at church and just as in immersing myself into all these things. And this was going on for about a year. Then I ended up meeting my wife in a Bible study at our church. And uh, my pastor ended up marrying us, and then um, she had three children of her own, two teenage girls, which was crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I've never been married. So I here's two teenage girls, a 13 and a 15 year old, and then an 18, and then an eight year old son. So, you know, and then within a couple of weeks, I uh, got accepted into their internship program at Road to Life Church. So here I am, I get accepted into their uh, their internship, and now I'm in. I'm, Entered into full-time ministry, didn't know anything about ministry full-time, and now I'm a husband and a father all at the mm -hmm. same time. So to, to make a long story short, like this was a really incredibly hard year for me. Yep. Nine, out of, nine out of ten things I was doing for the first time every day, uh, that was my life. And within a few months after that, I approached my pastor and I said, what do you think about a prison ministry? And he said, you know, I already had some things in mind that I was thinking about doing some type of prison ministry. And I was like, cool. I was like, I'll look into it. And he said, well, go ahead and look into it. And I started looking into it. And uh, then I hooked everything up. And I didn't think that the, I could be a part of it, like going in or anything. Mm -hmm. You know, I just wanted to try to help out and try to get it going if possible. And uh, make a long story short, it, a miracle happened. They, they let me come into the prison as a volunteer and um then we me and my wife began to you know to start the prison ministry in my pastor i was like well i just want to be a part of it in any way i can and he says well i don't want you to just be a part of it i want you to lead it and mm, i was like what wow. you know <laughs> which was a total shock you know to me so sure. i was like all right you know so i'm on this huge learning curve learning all this 
you know, the sound boards and all the equipment and just yep. really going in there and just learning all these things, watching these videos and they're showing me all these different things. And so we get in there and now we get into this prison and then we ended up getting into another local prison and then we get into the local county jail and then we get into another jail and then so here we go and now we're in multiple we're like regionally like reaching thousands of prisoners at this point over a couple of years probably about two year period we're reaching thousands of prisoners wow. and my wife and I working full-time in ministry I just became a licensed pastor now so now I'm overseeing all the prison ministry and jail ministries and, and all of our out, outreach ministries as well and um, then I go to go into another juvenile prison uh, that uh, I actually lived in too, and all these other prisons that I'm in currently, that I was currently in, I had been lived in them before too. So that was really awesome. Mm -hmm. And then, and so now I'm going to this juvenile prison, and they're all excited that we're there. That we're going through the paperwork, and then all of a sudden, this red flag comes up, it says I have a felony warrant out of Florida mm -hmm. from like ten years earlier. From ten years earlier. So, so what happened is that I ended up getting red flagged out of all the all the jails and all the prisons. So here I am, I'm the prison pastor. Um, the licensed pastor that oversees all the jails and prison ministries at our church, and now I can't go into prison, <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. So and then I find out that the that the this warrant is non extraditable, but then at the same time, I can't get into any of the prisons. So in my heart was is I felt like God was telling me that my progress had stopped, that I had to go back to move forward. That um, that God was gonna that God was gonna do a miracle, but I had to be willing to step out in faith. And this, I found out that there was 20 years hanging over my head at this time. You know, so they had a 20. There was four four felonies with a 20 year sentence uh, that was hanging over my head. Uh, if I stayed in Indiana, I could be safe, but I wouldn't be able to do all the jails and prison ministries like what I felt that God had called me to do, like live out my destiny. So I made a decision and I reached out to our pastors. I met with them and I said, hey, I've got to do this. I've got to fly down there. I've got to face this thing. And, um, you know, and then they, they just totally shocked me by the response. Uh, they said, right, well, we're going to pay for the attorney. They ended, we ended up getting like the best attorney we could find down there. They paid for it. And they said, you know, we don't want you to worry about, you know, your, your family and your finances and all these things while you're gone turning yourself in so you're we're going to keep your check coming every friday until you're gone just hurry up and make your hurry wow. up and get yourself back here you cool. know so that's that's a miracle in itself yeah. i mean one employer says that well you're going to go sit in jail and we don't know how long it's going to be but we're going to keep paying your check every sure. week to you sure. you know sure so i get on a flight i get on a flight go down there and make a long story short i go through this whole process down there for a couple of weeks get into a court date standing before the judge you know, uh, the the prosecutor ends up coming up to me with this uh, plea agreement to 14 months in prison, 14 months in prison. I ended up signing that thing quick to, to try to get out of there, and uh, I would have to go to prison for 14 months. But then the judge ends up denying the plea agreement and says, the only thing that I'll take from you, the only, the only plea agreement that I'm going to take from you, accept from you, is a 20-year open plea. So you just got to, you're going to have to face a whole 20 years, and if not, you know, there's nothing, you're just going to sit in jail and there's nothing, you know, nothing's going to happen today. So I did, I said, all right, I'll face it, you know, and then he went through all these different things that he was talking to me about and he, and he went off to a recess and he ended up coming back and he says, you know, the apostle Paul did a lot of great work while he was in prison. Don't you agree? I was mm -hmm. like, uh, 
yeah, <laughs> you know. And he's like, do you think that you can do a lot of great work while you're in prison? And I said, yeah, I, I do. And he and he's like, how old are you? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, man, you know, he's asking how old I am. You know, that's how I'm thinking. I'm like, I'm 39, you know. And he's like, he's like, you know, and he and he starts talking about statistics, and you know, it's not unusual for people to get locked up and to run and to come back on the docket and this, that, and the other. And you know, and then my my pastor had came out there. My wife, uh, one of the people from our prison team, that's an attorney, flew down there. Uh, another friend of the, our families flew down there and they all character witness before me with tears and passion, you know, and it was like breaking my heart to hear this because the years before when all these crimes were happening, if I had a quarter in my pocket, I had nobody to call, you mm -hmm. know? Right. So here I am now after God has radically changed and restored my life, I got people flying a thousand miles mm. to stand in a, to stand in a courtroom next to me wow. and to, and, and to plead for me in tears, you know, that mm -hmm. like this just totally, you know, crushing me, you know, to mm. hear these people talk from their heart in the, in the, in the judge said, I could really feel your earnestness and what you guys are saying, you know, and he's, and he goes on to say, and then he, then he, then he just out of the blue, he says, well, with all that being said, he says, I don't know anybody that heard what I just heard today that can conclude that any incarceration is necessary at all and he said the best outcome is that i'm going to terminate this these cases and i'm going to release you immediately and i know that some of your family's over in disney right now and you can i'm going to sentence you to go to disney and you can go do your time there <laughs> this case is this, this case is wow. dismissed that's incredible that's incredible and i'm I, i'm bawling my eyes out at this point and he turns to the prosecutor and he says he says, look, I know that you, you know, that I respect what you said with the 14 months in prison. I respect that that was, you know, a good amount, you know, a good plea that you came up with. It. But he says, but I have the final say in this matter. And God has plans for this young man. Wow. I mean, the judge. And Very I'm just good. like wrecked. Everybody's bawling their eyes out. Like, <laughs> of course. <laughs> everybody. And, oh, that's And so I awesome. leave there. And we all drive to Disney. <laughs> wow. And now you're so ministering to prisoners. That's fantastic. Right. You know, I seen a picture they, of you, uh, if I could uh, interject here. I saw a picture of you and you were you baptizing prisoners. And that's right. very moving itself. Can I ask you a question? Um, yes. You know, you're, you're dealing with prisoners. You've been in the prison life. You know exactly what it's all about. Um, when uh, my wife, I always ask her, what would you ask uh, a guest, you know, in, uh, in this context. And she had a couple questions. One where it was, um, what are some of the things someone coming out of prison needs from the community that's still missing? There needs to be transitional. There really needs to be the transition to keep what they're doing going. Um, there needs to be a bridge from the, uh, from the prison with the church. There needs to be that bridge where mm. they're, they're, they're walking out of prison over that bridge to get connected with the church and they need, and what's really needed is more uh, recovery centers, halfway houses that, that the church is getting behind, you I know, see. things that are extension of the church where they can walk out of that prison and they got a safe place to be and in, um, in a place for them to keep it going, like kind of like an incubator, you know, sure. just to keep that growing, going, 
uh, and then people coming around them uh, in the church to walk alongside them, mentoring them, yeah. helping them get jobs, helping provide jobs. There's so many people in the church that could provide jobs. There's a lot of business owners. There's a lot of people that know people. Mm-hmm. They'd be like, hey, let's give this guy a chance. You know, you never know. You don't right. know who's coming out of there and where their heart's at. Yep. So it's like having, having that place, like more of the church being connected to the prisons and then having that that extension of their church with halfway houses, recovery centers, so the church can really hold them in, just like a herd does, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know they, they don't. They don't. You know the the weak and the old. They they put them in the middle. You know they got to walk. You know that they're not on the outside. You know right. uh, what happens is a lot of these people get out, and they're just like I was. They had nowhere to go. They right. didn't burn their bridges. They don't have no place to connect. No place to really get healthy. Yeah. And what do they do? They do what I did. They yep. go back to what they know because right. the stronger culture wins. Sure. And that's a really uh, man. If the church could get behind that, sure, it would. It would. It would. There would be so many changes, you know, because we need to keep going. We need that. We need that community, just like anybody else does. Right. I remember a scene in in the movie The Shawshank Redemption. And uh, one of the prisoners had been in prison for, I don't know, maybe 50 years. And they let him out and he had this fear because he, he, the only thing he knew was prison, you know? Right. So when he gets out, he doesn't know how to adjust a society. He's going to a crosswalk. He sees all these cars. He looks lost. And what he does, he ends up hanging himself yeah. because he wasn't, he wasn't right. ready for the world. So is that kind of what you're saying? So help when they come out, we got to be a safe place, right? Right. And, and here, and here's the thing. It's like, uh, and that, and that's exactly the way it is. And, and, and they don't have to be in prison for 50 years. And I, I've seen, I've watched that movie and they don't have to be 80 years old to have that mindset because most of these people are just like I was. And they, they, they were raised in this dysfunction, this dysfunctional lifestyle, this disconnect from like rules and like healthy environments in healthy families and structure was never a part of their life. Hmm. So they were that this is that's all they know. Just right. like this guy, that old man that did 50 years in prison, they've done 30, 40, you know, they could be 25, 30, 35, 40 years old and never experience really living either. Right. You know? Right. And when I got out of prison the last time, I had to learn all this stuff mm-hmm. through the church. Right. Like learning about just daily normal stuff right you know i i you know what i a funny story all my life because i was fast and easy i wanted it quick i had a microwave microwave mentality are you familiar with those party pizzas are you familiar with those little yep party (laughs) the the little (laughs) yep the little red box ones yep well all my life you know, it, on on the box, I don't know, I don't, I don't know. I'm just gonna, you know, just use this as an example, but it's a real example. Let's say it says eight to ten minutes that you put it in, in the oven. Well, I didn't want to do that. I'd put it in the microwave for three minutes, and I'd get like a mushy middle. Yeah. It'd be, you know, I'd put it, you know, and it, it would be, you know, all hard around the outside, and then I'd fold it up like a burrito and I'd eat it. <laughs> eat but it, after, just but, couldn't wait longer because I didn't want, I, I didn't want to wait the eight to ten minutes. Right. I wanted to throw it in the microwave for three minutes, yep. and then when when this process began, when I got out of prison the last time, I put a party pizza in the oven for the first time to eight to ten minutes, and it changed my life. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> right. I was like all these years. Yep, that's funny. all these years. I was only five minutes away wow, from that's this. Funny. Wow, that's you funny. know, right. but but. But that's how my life began. You know, it's like I began to get into the process, Mm -hmm. you know, the process of of this thing. 
Wow. And I needed people around me to believe in me, mm-hmm. even though that I hadn't didn't have a a resume to mm. for them to believe in me. They were still willing to believe in me oh, because yeah. they were looking at me through the eyes of Christ. Right. They're like, there's potential there, and that's one yeah. thing that I can really say. There's so many different things I can say about our pastors, by my pastors, is that they are the people they are looking for the diamond in the rough, man. Right. And they 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 are after digging through that dirt sure. because they're after the diamond. Right. And they want to get it out. They sure. want to pull it out, and they want the potential, you know. And that's something that they really work side by side with me. Sure. You know, seeing seeing through all that because I had a sure. whole lot of dirt in the way. Yeah. Well, kudos you to know? your pastor and the people around you. That is so wonderful. What a great story that is. It, Scott, yeah. I'd like to wrap this up. Uh, man, I, I you know we can go on forever with this, but uh, there's a couple, more, two more questions that I'd like to ask you. Um, sure. So in the last chapter of your book, uh, you said you're building an online community of offenders who seek to be free. What does that community right. look like, and how can they get in touch with you? Um, it's it's called Behind the Wire Ministries. You can go to behindthewireministries.org. Uh, that's a place to be able to connect with be able to connect with me and what we're doing. Uh, we just really want to, you know, have the communication open uh, to be able to talk to offenders, you know, that are getting out, people that are, you know, just like I am, that mm-hmm. have someone to talk to, to relate. My phone number's on there. My email's on there. Okay. Uh, and it's just a place for them to be able to connect sure. and for me to be able to help them, you know, get connected wherever they are locally and mm-hmm. or if they're, you know, wherever they are locally or if they're around in my area and just to kind of be there for them, my wife and we have other people that are available to just to be able to help walk alongside of them uh, until they can get some other uh, people that are in their life that, that maybe if they're a thousand miles away that they can get connected because there's just so many vital first steps sure. uh, that, they, that they need to take and we want to help them to be able to do that. And at the same time, we would love, our heart is, is they bring more and more people that are coming out of the prison system to help them walk that thing out oh, with yeah. Christ so that they can start living their best life. And sure. then we'd love to have them coming into prisons with us. That's you know, oh, yeah. who better to bring in, who, who better to bring into the prisons with you as people have been in prison. You know, oh, I, I love to do that. So, that's you know, that, that, that's the heart, you know, that's fantastic. Well, you're, that's you're, you, you know, if they'll let you in, you can come in with me. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's fantastic. Well, we've talked about your book. And now we got to talk about something really exciting, folks. Um, you have a movie coming out about your life, right? Yes. Okay. And is that coming out Absolutely. this year yet, you said? Is that yeah. Cor- okay. It's going to be coming out in 2020. We're hoping here in the summer that it, it should be out. I don't have any uh, definitive dates yet, um, but we are hoping to have that thing out um, in uh, by the summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be awesome. And uh, the production company is called Graham Family Films. They're out of uh, Nashville, Tennessee. He's actually the grandson of Billy Graham, uh, Dr. Ben Graham. Mm -hmm. And uh, they partnered with Atonement Pictures uh, with the director and uh, also the senior vice president is Kevin Otto. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they partnered to produce uh, a feature film about my life called Pardon by Grace. Pardon by Grace. And... uh, it's called Pardon by Grace. Uh, hopefully here in the next month or two that the trailer will come out and that promotional campaign will begin. And um, it's gonna it's really exciting. And uh, they have uh, Joey Lawrence. Many of you that are listening probably know who Joey Lawrence is. He's playing me in the film and um, my pastor. Uh, they're playing uh, uh, Michael W. Smith, which mm. is pretty exciting. Yeah, that, it is. That he, uh, you know, he actually, he, he originally wasn't going to, 
wasn't interested until he read the script and he's like, I definitely want to be a part of it now. Oh, that's you know, so, good. which was cool because he's, because he's a super, he's a super busy guy and he oh, travels yeah. all over and he gets off, yeah. he gets offers all the time for films and mm -hmm. you know, he's, he only can do what he can do. You know, and once he read the script, he was hooked. He said, nah, I, I want to get my son involved in it too. So, oh, that's fantastic. Uh, so, uh, so it's uh, pretty exciting and uh, we're looking forward to it hitting the theaters. It'll be in select theaters and mm -hmm. then uh, then if it uh, does well, it'll continue to go into more theaters. And right. It's going to go through all the different uh, uh, medium of, uh, uh, of normally a film, you know, wherever yeah. it lands, Netflix and DVD and yep. all that kind of stuff. So it'll go through all the distribution channels. That's what I was trying to say. Well, we're going to believe but, with uh, you. We're going to believe with you that the yeah. thing's uh, going to hit a lot of theaters. <laughs> so I think it changed, yeah, it changed I know. Go ahead. I got to spend a, I got to spend quite a bit of time on the on the set and it, they they shot it all around where I grew up and uh, it was really cool how the community I'm talking about the sheriff's department you know opened up the county jail for uh, three days and the sheriff's department they let us use uniforms police cars nice. the whole jail for free the fire department for oh, free they jumped great. in on it and then uh, just so many different community um, oh, nice. owner businesses and everything it was just uh really really opened up the doors to us to really to be able to to make it a really awesome film and everybody was really open to helping and just donating so many different ways to be able to to do it so it was really cool that's great well scott i would like to um to close this uh i think I'll, and then I'll ask you the trivia question but if you could close this um could you speak to the person or prisoner that needs the freedom you've experienced through Jesus Christ. And could you say a prayer right now? Yes. Um, I would say that the thing that is first is to get open your Bible and just begin to look into that and begin to read, begin to read the Bible and there, some faith will begin to happen as you get into the word of God. God mm. just, he's, Mm -hmm. He is very, very, uh, he's very, very impactful through his word and he will change you Amen. and, uh, and just open up your heart and he'll open up your eyes. And as you, uh, as he does that, I would say, step out in faith and profess Christ. And, uh, that was the best decision that I ever made mm -hmm. in my life. And it doesn't matter where you are, uh, that God will meet you right where you are. Mm -hmm. Uh, and what I like to say in those humble places, those places, those dark places that, uh, you feel like that you're the most away from God. That setback is really a setup for your comeback. Yes. And God has got your attention, and and uh, to to surrender your heart over to Him and get connected with other believers that are running in the direction that you want to run, and, and allow them to surround you and get mentors in your life to be able to help you to be able to walk out your profession of faith and God will continue to open doors mm -hmm. that will blow your mind. He will continue to just do things that are beyond your imagination mm -hmm. as you, but you got to take that first step of faith. And, um, I would, I would, that would be my, my heart to you that, mm -hmm. that if you're, if you're listening, that means that you're alive. And if you have breath in your body, that God is not done with you because if you're not dead, God is not done with you, and he has plans for you. He hasn't made any junk. He's never made any junk mm -hmm. that you were purposely and wonderfully made, mm -hmm. that you were born on purpose for a purpose by God. I don't care if your parents were a one-night stand. God chose you Amen. before your parents were ever even born. He chose you. Mm -hmm. He chose you for a good plan. Yes. That he would prosper you, that he wouldn't harm you, that he would give you an expected end, that he would have a future yes. and a hope for you. Mm. And it, 
starts with your profession of Jesus Christ. And I just pray right now yes, for whoever is listening right now, that if, if you've been struggling with your relationship with God, if you've been struggling with those stepping out in faith and professing him, I just say, do it. Don't waste any time. Today is the day of salvation. Yes, that God is speaking to your heart right now for a reason. You hearing this podcast is not an accident. It's not a coincidence that God himself is reaching out to your life through my words, through my life, and God wants to change your life, and he wants to make your life unrecognizable mm -hmm. to what it's ever been. He wants to shock yes. everybody that's ever known you <laughs> by what he, he alone can do through your life. I pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ that you surrender it over to him. Mm -hmm. In Romans 10, 9, it says, if you believe in your heart, and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and he had died and he was raised from the dead, that you shall be saved. I pray that you pray that prayer. I pray that you profess him right now and mm -hmm. watch how God begins to radically change your life and bring people around your life to help you walk it out because you mm -hmm. were set up to win from the very beginning. Amen. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. That's awesome. Powerful, powerful. Thank you, Scott. So appreciate it. You got it. And as as, my pro pleasure. as promised, I always end my podcast with a, as a uh, as a tradition uh, with a Michigan trivia question. I don't know how much you know about Michigan, but I know uh, you were raised in Michigan City, right? <laughs> anyway, here's here's the question. Right. Uh, okay. In 1984, the Detroit Tigers played in the and won the World Series. Who did they play? Did they play the San Diego Padres, the St. Louis Cardinals, or the New York Mets? For whatever, I have no idea, but I'm going to guess the New York Mets because that's New York came into my mind. Actually, New York went the year following after that in 69. No, I'm sorry. I'm, ta I'm talking about 84. 84, they played the San Diego Padres, and they won it in four games. Uh, but, yep. So that, well, that's all right. That's okay. Hey, I don't know if you're, if you're right. a sports guy, if you're a Tigers fan, whatever. But <laughs> right, right, anyway, right. but hey, that was a great interview, Scott. Thank you so much. I uh, really appreciate you sharing your heart and your time and your insight. You got it. Uh, so appreciate it. And we'll look forward to your movie. And uh, thank you all for joining us. And remember, keep listening and keep learning. I'm Bruce with Input GR. You have a blessed day.